Well, good morning, Third Street. Good morning. I'm really glad uh, to be with you all. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Corey. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Third Street Community Church, and this morning it is my distinct honor and privilege to be bringing forth the Word of God to you all. I'm grateful for this opportunity every time uh, I receive it. This is probably my favorite part uh, of what I get to do here in service to our community. Uh, and I'm also grateful for Chad to be done because if he kept going, he was going to steal more lines from my sermon. It's crazy. I literally am saying some of those same things. So please let me do it. Um, <laughs> I'm only half joking. This morning, I'm really excited because we get to kick off a brand new series. Y'all know how excited I get for stuff that's brand new series time, right? And so this morning, we get to kick off a new series called Holy and Acceptable. Church, if this side of the gym is with me, I need you to say holy. Holy. If this side of the gym is with me, I need you to say acceptable. Acceptable. I'm looking at this side to say holy. Holy. And I'm looking at this side to say acceptable. This morning, we're talking about what is holy and acceptable. For the next several weeks, we're going to look at what it looks like to be holy and acceptable in the Lord's eyes. We get this question all the time, right? What, is it, what does it mean, right? I, I, I've, I've heard the word go forth, right? I have, I have possibly been receptive of the gospel. I'm open to this whole Jesus thing or new approach uh, to, 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 to new life, but what do I do now? Come on. What, 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 what do I do? What, what exactly is pleasing to God? What does it even mean to give an offering? Yes. You come up here with these announcements and all these opportunities to serve. What is even acceptable service? Like how much of my time are we, are we talking about? here, right? You give opportunities to like donate or whatever. How much of like that is like actually like considered holy, right? What does it look like for me uh, to become holy? What does that sound intimidating? What what does that even mean? My hopes uh, as we go throughout the next next several weeks throughout this uh, series, my hopes is um, they are to to be real practical about all these different areas of our lives that we may overlook or we may take for granted or we may not critically uh, consider spiritually and consider what does it look like for this part of my life to be considered holy and acceptable. This morning, it is my intention to lay the groundwork for where this theology even comes from in the first place. So if you would, you are welcome at this time to join me in the book of Romans. We are going to a passage that may be familiar to you. This is chapter 12. We're only reading two verses this morning because for me to take uh, enough time to break down even some of the things that are caught up in these two verses, I need to only go through two verses. If you have your physical Bibles with you, go ahead and turn there. It's in the New Testament. It's after the Gospels, Acts, and some other stuff, right? And so uh, I want you to get there. For the rest of us, that's okay. Don't, don't, you don't even have to feel the need to fight off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, any of those things. It's all good because we got it right up here on the screen for you. Let's give this faithful reading. This is the book of Romans written by the Apostle Paul. This is the 12th chapter, and we're going to read just two verses today, starting in verse 1. Here we go. The scripture says, Therefore, 
All y'all who taking an English class before, you know, you know what to ask here. What's the therefore, therefore? You know what I'm saying? Okay, nobody. All right. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. This week as I was reading this passage uh, over and over, uh, I, was, I was struck by how appropriate for my life the tone uh, the Apostle Paul takes really is. Right? For me... Uh, and, and I think in a lot of ways for Third Street as well, this has been a year of transitions, uh, a year of, of handing off of one thing of another to somebody else, right? Uh, I think of my youngest son, PJ, who is now walking. Well, I mean, some of the time he's realized that crawling is faster than walking, and so when he wants to get somewhere fast, he still crawls. But he's physically capable of walking, and we're going to get to running and throwing soon. But I'm grateful to have been a part of this transition, and I'm grateful to have arrived at this destination of walking because my back is starting to hurt. It's not the same as when I had kids in my 20s. And so bending down and, and giving PJ my finger so that he can hold on to as he grows in the confidence to walk, you know, it's starting to, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. Some of you don't but you will. You will. Father, time comes for you too. I think, of, I think of Jamie. This year she started preschool. In order to start preschool, she had to go uh, and become potty trained because you know, they don't let kids wear diapers at school, I guess. And so she had to be potty trained and that was a process. And now, praise God, we're in, we're in, we're in normal people clothes and we're not wearing diapers to school. And we only have accidents sometimes, like this morning at 5 a.m. I, I think of our team. I think of all the staff transitions uh, that we've had this year, all positive. But I feel like so much of my year has been dedicated to coming alongside people on our staff, new people, uh, people who have been on our staff for a long time, learning new roles, taking on new responsibilities as the Lord grows what's happening here at Third Street. So much of my time here is devoted to walking alongside staff members and transitioning uh, uh, into, into new things. I think of how the Lord has been walking with me. And how this year, especially, I have felt his presence so near to me as I have taken on things that he knows without feeling his tangible presence I would never take on. Amen. And I'm sure if, you're, if you are thinking critically enough about it this morning, several transitions this year pop up in your mind as well. These transitions that we can't do that we can't handle without an advocate, without a helper, without somebody who's walking alongside of us. As I approach this text in Romans chapter 12, the very first word we come to in its original manuscript, in its, in its Greek, is this word parakaleo, which, which, which means to call to one's side or to strengthen by comfort. The invoking of parakaleo combined with Paul calling us brothers and sisters is Paul saying, let me come alongside of you as I transition you to a new thought. 
Let me come alongside of you because you are young in your walk. You are young in your transition. You are still figuring out, as Chad said, what exactly is going on. Paul is writing this and he's like, let me come alongside of you because I know you don't know how to see this through. Let me come alongside of you because I'm not trying to condemn you or tell you where you should be right now. Let me come alongside of you because this is a process. It's okay. It's just the door. It's broken. Let me come alongside of you. My hope for this series is that you feel as if as we as we call ourselves to holiness, as we call ourselves to offerings that are acceptable. My hope in this series is that that's the posture you feel from us, that we are attempting as a church, as a community to come alongside of you in your development, to come alongside of you in your life transitions, to come alongside of you as we all just figure this out. My prayer and my hope is that even though I communicate with passion, that you don't feel like I'm, 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 I'm condemning you or I'm or I'm browbeating you, or I'm, I'm, I'm coming down on you, because really it's just the passion in the heart that the Lord has given me to walk alongside such incredible people. And so my hope this morning is that as we approach this text, we realize that it is the Apostle Paul's intent that Jesus doesn't leave us alone to figure this out, but he sends for us the Holy Spirit to walk alongside of us, to dwell within us, and to help us in this transition. And I hope that what you receive from this is that there's a whole room of people that are also willing to walk alongside of you in your development and in your process. And so as we approach this text with that posture, let's go alongside. Let's. I, my, my intent this morning is to literally walk this text out with you. And the first thing we read from the Apostle Paul as we are walking alongside is he begins this time with, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you. He doesn't even get into the sacrifice he's about to have us offer. He doesn't even get into the practicalities of how this is all working out. He's like, look, before we can even talk about holiness, before we can even talk about acceptability, you have to have the right view in mind. You have to be looking at the right thing. Before you can, you can admire the beauty of, of a piece of art, you have to be looking at it the right way. Before you can even observe or think about what is holy and acceptable, you have to have in the forefront of your mind, what does he say? The mercies of God. Amen. Paul wants us to be thinking first and foremost, before we even think about, Pastor, what are you about to ask me to give up? I already hate where this is going. Before you even go there in your minds, think about the mercy that God has shown. Think about the fact that Paul is literally walking us through this in the letter of Romans. He starts in chapter 3 where he's like, look, first off, out the gate, let's go ahead and get this out there. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short. So before we start reading this and get to thinking like, oh, yeah, this is from my neighbor, right? I know, I know you're talking to me, Pastor, but like high key, I hope that they hear it, right? We need to understand that Paul has already walked out the idea that all of us fall short, that none of us can live up to the full glory of God. And we all stand in need of a Savior. He goes on from there in Romans chapter 6 to talk about the fact that we all fall short in sin. And he says, in the wages of those sin, ah, it's tough out here, is death. I ain't going to hold you. It's tough. It's a high penalty, right? 
it's a high penalty for the fact that there's separation between us and God, but he doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't leave us on a cliffhanger. He's like, ah, wait till next season to find out what happens. He's talking right after that about the gift of God and how it is eternal life that is offered freely through Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, in Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? He's walking us through it. He's walking us through it. He's like, look, we all sin. We all mess up. We all got stuff. We're all broken. The cost of our brokenness is we will not see or inherit eternal life as is. But thank God for Jesus because at just the right time, Jesus came to us, entered our lives, died and rose for you and for me. The reality of where the word mercy comes from is that there is a penalty that we all deserve. I don't know about you, but I've had seasons of my life, and in fact, I'm just coming through one where, where I realize how, how broken I truly am. I don't know if you've ever had that realization, the type of realization we read about in Luke chapter 15 where it says the prodigal son came to himself. All of a sudden, he was super aware of how his condition and circumstances stink. I don't know if you've ever had that moment, if, if you ever realized that, dang, it really is true when Paul says, what I, what I, what I want to do, I, 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 I don't do, and what I don't want to do, man, I just keep on slipping into it. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you're like, man, it just seems like no matter how hard I work in my own strength, I can't break the stronghold of this dark thing in my life. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where, where you fully come to the realization of the hurt that your actions have inflicted on, on other people. I don't know if you've, if you've had that or not, but I can tell you from, from personal experience, and I stand on good ground scripturally to, that will support this argument, that, that when you have that moment, you feel the full weight of your shame and your guilt. You feel the full weight. You realize for the very first time, right? Casual reading of scriptures, you're like, wages of sin is death. All sin? That seems hefty for all sin. I see some sin, right? But like all sin? Casual reading will allow you to, re will allow you to look at it like, dang, that's a really heavy penalty until you realize that it's you. Until you realize what you've done. Until you realize all the ways that you're broken, all the hurt that you have caused, all the darkness that you fully permit yourself to indulge into, all the chains that you can't break on your own. And you feel the full weight of that shame and guilt. And what scripture says, what the Apostle Paul is reminding us of this morning is, is as a matter of fact, you do deserve to stand trial for those things. That, 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 that stuff that's been weighing on you so heavy, you're like, man, I just, feel like, I just feel like I deserve the steepest punishment. Honestly, bro, real talk, you do, right? But the mercy of God says Christ stands before you. That just before that gavel hits, that just before that jury passes down your conviction, Jesus stands in and says, uh-uh, not today, it's mine, not theirs. Right. Mercy is that is that God gives us not what we deserve, but instead gives us forgiveness. Instead, he gives us peace. 
Instead, he gives us reconciliation. Instead, he gives us hope. Instead, he gives us a second, a third, a fourth, a 90 millionth chance at new life. God's mercy is not only that we don't stand to be condemned by those things that we are guilty of, but that it is replaced by the fruits of God's presence in our life. Our first question for you this morning is, have you truly let the mercies of God take hold of your life? Have you truly allowed that mercy to sink in? Are you understanding of the concept versus are you actually like walking in it? Are you actually understanding that God has forgiven you? That, 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 God, that God wants peace for you. It's so easy when we're dealing with, this, with these dark nights to, to, to feel like God is doing this to us or feel like God doesn't care. He's left us alone. But to truly accept his mercy, to truly understand is to truly know that God intends for reconciliation to be in your very near future. That God truly intends for you in this dark night to have hope. That God really is working a redemptive story and that no thing is too far beyond his own control. Have you let the mercies of God take hold in your life? I'm talking about are you this morning walking in the confidence of forgiveness, understanding that truly God really does want good things for you. And I'm not talking about that sophomore, that sophomore swagger where you're like, well, at least I'm not a freshman, but I'm still trying to figure this out. I'm talking about that senior swagger where you walk in and you're like, I run this and I've been running this. I've been forgiven. I'll keep being forgiven. The Lord has put my Pass back there, and I'm all the way up here. I'm talking about that confidence. Are you walking in the confidence of the mercies of our Lord? And if that is not something you have accepted in your life, then feel free. And this is one of the few times I'm giving you this permission. Feel free to not listen to anything else that I have to say, because that's where you need to begin. Some of us this morning need to begin with the development of ourselves, understanding the mercies of God. This morning, if that is not a promise that you have received in my brother or my sister, let me implore some, some, some confidence in you and say that in just a few moments, there's going to be people available for you to pray with you, I encourage you for the first time to go and receive the mercy of Jesus, to receive the promises of hope, to receive an opportunity at new life. I encourage you to go pray with them in just a few moments because if we haven't even gotten there, if we haven't developed that side of ourselves, then the rest of this is going to feel real wild. Because from here, Paul goes on to some, quite frankly, graphic language. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. My goodness. He talks about your body. Why is Paul talking about your body? Because early in Romans chapter 8, he talks about how the Spirit of God now dwells within you. Where does the Spirit of God dwell? Where is you? In your body. Right? The Spirit of God dwells within your body. Why take care of your body? Because God's in there. Right? Why be willing to offer your body? Because that's how God chooses to work now. 
through your body, through your actions, right? We live in a way, Paul says, that, that, so that the life of Jesus may be on display. We carry with us the deposit of his death so that his life can be on display. You're not with me this morning, but you're going to listen back to this later and realize that was dope, right? Bars. Yeah. He talks about your body because that's where God's at. He talks about your body because that's how God plans to move in this fallen world. And then he goes on to talk about sacrifice. Sacrifice. We're like, so I got to give something up. Yeah, except I need you to realize how extreme it was because this was written a real long time ago. And a real long time ago, they were still used to ancient rituals where, where a common practice, as a matter of fact, the fundamental method of honoring deities was a sacrifice of something that was alive, right? Every so often at, at different rhythms of the year, people would gather with all of their guilt and all of their shame and then find some like livestock around and they would take it to the dwelling place and they would sacrifice an animal that was alive to be uh, 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 unalived, as penance for all the stuff that they jacked up this year. That poor baby goat, you know what I'm saying? And so he's talking about a sacrifice because this is language that they understand, that people understand that because I mess up, because I have wrongdoing, because I am not holy, and on, and on most days, specifically Mondays in traffic, I am far from acceptable, I, I stand to offer a sacrifice as penance or as atonement for those wrongdoings, for that separation, right? But, but he offers something deeper than, than that imagery here because he gives kind of an oxymoron. He says, he says you're going to be a living sacrifice. Come again? See, the difference between a living sacrifice, the difference between what Paul is asking us to do versus like going and slaughtering a, 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 a little animal is that we're offering ourselves, not things, to fix the problem, right? We're not, we, 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 we come into this point in our faith where we realize no amount of money can fix my brokenness, and so I'm offering myself. We realize that no amount of trips or no amount of excursions or no amount of material things could possibly be enough, and so, and so it's, not a, it's not about giving enough stuff that you live with. It's about giving yourself. It's about giving your life. We're offering ourselves. We're not offering something else that we metaphorically or symbolically put our sin in and then God melts away. It's about, it's about giving our whole existence. And here's the crazy thing about a living sacrifice as opposed to a, you know, just like a regular sacrifice is a living sacrifice is sacrificed daily where these other sacrifices were sacrificed one time. We got away with saying like, well, you know, I, I already, I already gay, I already, you know what I'm saying? I already dealt with that. I already, I already sacrificed for that. That was on Sunday. And this here's Tuesday. Right? But this is a sacrifice that's made every day, not just once, right? A living sacrifice is about offering the way we live every day in every sphere of life, not just some rhythmic religious one. It's about saying like, yeah, God, you can have my work too. You can have my education too. 
You can have my home life, my family life, my community life too. You can have my, 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 the things that I indulge in for pleasure too. You can, you can have every sphere of my life. It's not about looking at some compartmental like, well, Sunday morning is my religious practice where I exchange tithe dollars for religious thoughts so that I can feel better about my sin. But this is actually allowing the spirit of God to touch and impact and have implications on every single area from your bank account to your morning routine to where you take your kids to what you're telling them. It's all of it, right? A a, a living sacrifice is is a sign of showing love and mercy, but in this case, we're, we, we, we aren't just looking at, at, at an animal up here on the, uh, on the altar and reminding ourselves of the love and mercy that God is showing to us. But actually, we're understanding, understanding that as that offering, we are meant to be the sign of mercy and love to other people. That means there can be no injustice in your soul. That means there can be no, 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 no permissible uh, way of looking at some life as less than others in your entire soul. You are meant to be an embodiment of love and mercy. There can be no condemnation in your soul. There can be no, no, no just war in your soul. You can't have that in there because you are meant to be a sign of love and mercy. You are meant to show God your words, your actions, your postures, your social media postings, your perspective on politics, your perspective on justice, your perspective on war. It's meant to be a sign of love and mercy. There can be no injustice in your soul. He also reminds us that a living sacrifice, see, a sacrifice wasn't just, you didn't go and you just say like, well, here's, here's my goat for my stuff. Here's my lamb for my kid's stuff. Here's 12 lambs for my wife's stuff, right? He didn't. She getting our oldest ready for a gymnastics meet, so I get away with that one for this morning, right? I, you know, it was meant you went and sacrificed on behalf of your household. At times, you sacrificed on behalf of your community, right? And so, so the way that you live, here's what's so crazy. It's not just about you anymore. It's not just about you, but you're living in a way that's on behalf of your household. You're living in a way that's, that's, that's on behalf of your entire community. It's not just about you anymore. So let me ask you, Third Street, are you willing to reveal God to others with your actions? Are you willing to take the posture of a living sacrifice? See, the hard part sometimes about being a Christian, you've heard me say this before, I feel like sometimes the hard part about being a Christian is like you got to be a Christian like all the time, right? I don't get to like on, on 77 North when I hit that Akron traffic be like less of a Christian than I am right now. I know, I know. You're like, but bro, it's been like a really long time. I know. Right? You have to be a Christian in all ways every time. When you're justified in your anger, being a living sacrifice means that you will resist the temptation to respond with sin. And instead, even though you're justified in your anger, you will offer the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness of Jesus instead. Come on, Pastor. Make it plain. Oh, you didn't like that one. Let me, let me see if I can poke 
a different bear. It means when you have the opportunity to spread little bits of poison or sow seeds of doubt about somebody else's character. You know what I'm talking about. It means that instead of, instead of when somebody's name comes up and you're like, you know what I'm saying? means when somebody says, well, what did you think of? And you're like, you know, all that toxic stuff. When you're tempted to, to gossip, you're done taking it to number one and number two. Now you're taking it to number three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. When you're tempted, when you're tempted to spread these little bits of poison with your mouth, instead, you choose to speak life. What'd you think about what'd you think about today? Well, I don't know. He just kind of like, you know, you you instead. You speak life. You didn't like that one either. How about this one? When somebody's views or opinions infringe upon your sensibilities, and for some of you, every ounce of logic in the universe, it means instead you will resist the temptation to expose them, run them down on social media, and instead you offer them kindness. But you didn't see what he said. Right? This is the line that Chad stole from me earlier. Some people will never open the scriptures. That's how you know it's the Holy Ghost this morning. Some people will never bother to give Jesus critical thought. Some people will be turned away from Christ forever. But why will they be turned away from Christ? Because of the way Christians behave. Right? Some people will never critically think about this on their own. Some some people will never go and research this on their own. Some people will never open themselves up to a spiritual posture of figuring this out for themselves. But you know what they will do? They'll watch the way that you live. They'll hang out with you. They'll watch what you say to your kids. They'll watch what you do with your time. They'll see the way that you act at work. They'll see the things that you say at school. Some people will never be open to, these, to, to praying and, and expecting to hear God's voice, but they will see the thumbprint of God when they look at your life. Are you willing to reveal God to others with your actions. Last but not least, he says, and oh yeah, he just, you know what I'm saying, it's Paul. So he, so he knows when he's stabbing you, that's why he started off so nice. You know, he's like, let me come alongside of you and stab you from the side. Like, he knows when he's being heavy and he keeps bringing it after that. That's what I love about Paul. Verse 2, he says, oh yeah, and uh, in case there was any thought, you know what I'm saying, your body's not, not enough of a sacrifice, God's going to go ahead and need your mind too. And, 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 and so what I'm saying is do not be conformed, but instead be transformed. Here's the thing. Oh man, I'm about, yeah. It's just real, guys. The reality is the world wants to shape the way that you think. 
The world wants to shape what you watch, what you listen to, and how you think about it. And the world wants to do that because the world knows, the enemy knows, that where your mind goes, so goes your behaviors, right? I know, I'm giving you every speech we rolled our eyes at when we were kids. I know. But guys, if you don't see the reality of 2023 as this being so real, the world wants to shape the way that you think. They want to get in there and they want to, they, they, they want to inform your patterns of behavior. What Paul is reminding us of is that the patterns of this world are being shaped by people who don't know the Lord. The cultural moments that we're caught up in, the trends, the patterns, the, 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 the fashions, the hot whatever, is being shaped by people who don't know him. And therefore, it's not for you. This content, these ideals, it's not for you. They're making it, and some of it, quality-wise, is really good, but, it's, but the Lord is like, it's not for you, though. Like, you got to understand that, like, when it, when, it, when it doesn't meet your Christian satisfactions, that's because it's not for you. And that should tell you something. Not about yourself that you need to conform more to, like, well, I guess this is what people like, so i got to get into it. But you actually got to, like, stand firm in your convictions. And Paul, Paul's reminding us, he's like, he's like, I need you to have a renewed mind. But there's hope in that, right? It's not a condemnation of the world's stuff. He's giving hope. He's like, have a renewed mind because a renewed mind is no longer a prisoner of a cultural moment and swayed to pick one evil over another. Right? A renewed mind, a renewed mind possesses the discernment to know what will is, is that of the life-giving spirit and what will is the will of the world that ultimately leads to death. He's telling us to have a renewed mind. Catch this one with me. Catch this one with me. He's telling us to have a a renewed mind because a renewed mind wins the battle that is in our minds. And that is the difference between seeing hope and at times, God forbid, giving into darkness. He's telling us to have a renewed mind because renewed minds are no longer bound by the old self but moves towards and lives into the identity Christ intended to us from the very start. Third tree, perhaps part of this process for you is asking critically yourself the question in all areas of life, are you fully prepared in this season to be conformed or to be transformed? That's it. That's it for all of us, right? Right? This world and our enemy will not stop. All right, it won't stop. If it can't get you with the traditional measures, they'll go a bit deeper. If they can't get you with what you listen to, they'll get you with what you're watching. If they can't get you with what you're watching, they'll get you with what other people are wearing. Oop, got real quiet there. If they can't get you with what you're wearing, With what other people are wearing, they'll get you with what other people are saying. (laughs) If they can't get you by what other people are saying because you're too holy for all of that, because you're a Christian now, you got a renewed mind now, you know God now, if they can't get you with all that, 
They're going to tell you what to think of God. They're going to, they're going to come for your theology. They're going to tell you what your theology should be. You wouldn't believe how much of the world is actually rewriting good theology and just redirecting it in the slightest of ways to tell us what we should be willing to overlook, what we should be willing to participate in, to justify some of these behaviors you turned away from so that these behaviors can be honored as well. If they can't get you in these other ways, they're going to tell you how to look at God. They're going to tell you what the church should be. They're going to tell you what your beliefs should be. But a mind, Paul tells us, that is rooted in prayer, that is rooted in scripture, and that is active, follow, actively following God in every part of our life will lead to a life that is transformed. And a mind and a life that is transformed in every possible way. Church, the reality is the Lord extends to us mercy. He extends to us grace. Not because we've done something to deserve it. Or because he wants to pay the price for some new toys. The Lord does this so that we can be free of the consequences that are in this world. The consequences of the war that rages in our minds. The consequences of the wars that rage in our culture. The consequences of the war that rage in literal physicality on the grounds of our earth. The Lord extends to us mercy and grace so we can be included in freedom. Through our being set apart then the Lord intends to bring hope to even more. See, what's so beautiful about the infinite wisdom and creativity uh, of our Lord is that he finds a way of rescuing you, not just for you, but for all those that you know. It's beautiful. It's a part of something bigger. And he intends with your bodies to, to reach those that are hopeless. He intends with you, with your, with your bodies to, to include more of your friends, more of your family, more of your co-workers into the hope and the light of his freedom. The only, the only wondering, the only decision I should say that we have to make then is will I bring the offering? Will I bring the offering for the sake of my household? Will I bring the offering for the sake of my family? Will I bring the offering for the sake of this community? Will I bring the offering for the sake of all of those who do not yet know, but the Lord desperately, lovingly wishes they would? 